Hello, you're listening to Abiding Life Studios. I'm Noah Wells. Today, Betty Wells will be introducing everyone in the podcast room. Hello. First, we have with us Mike Yankee from Colorado Springs. He's becoming a regular. Hi. We also have as our guests, our special guests that we're going to be talking to, the Boudot family. We have Mirtha and Jacob and their son, Jake. They're all here. Hello. Hi. And Jacob and Martha are supporters of Abiding Life Ministries, but they also have their own ministry, and we're eager to hear about all that. Martha spoke at our last women's retreat, and she did a great job. We really just want to get to know them better, and I know you're going to enjoy hearing from them. They have a very interesting story. So, Martha and Jacob, we know that you were uh, born and raised in Puerto Rico, and... Uh, we were wondering how you came to know the Lord when you were there. I came to know the Lord in a VBS when I was little. Um, all the kids in my neighborhood went, and the lady that was teaching started talking about um, the heaven, our Heavenly Father and His qualities. She said that He was kind, He was loving, He was patient, and He was describing everything that my father wasn't. My father was a very violent man, and he had mental issues and alcoholism. So when she started describing this heavenly father, she asked, does anybody want to be embrace this heavenly father? And that's how I got saved. And she has no clue of, but she had a huge impact in my life. And I remember that that night I went home, I must have been around seven years old, and nothing changed outside. My parents were still fighting, and it was still a not safe situation in my household. But I knew something was different in the inside. I had a small twin bed, and I remember I had a bunch of stuffed animals, and I put them all to one side, and I told them, we have a very important guest today. His name is Jesus. And then I went to the other edge of the twin size bed and slept in the corner because at seven years old, I understood, number one, that God is big, and number two, that he was there with me. Well, I came to know the Lord um, when I came to Colorado. Um, and I was by myself in an apartment. And... Um, I was, uh, you know, the Lord just started speaking to me, and um, and I really, um, I was I wasn't sure what was happening, and um, um, it just kept happening uh, for a few days until I finally uh, listened to him and went to my room like he was telling me to, and got on my knees and and prayed to him, and um, and that next Sunday I went and accepted the Lord at church and. And it was uh, in great part due to my wife uh, living in, in Christ all this all these years. Um, she had something that I wanted, and and I admired in her. So, um, yeah, that's that's how I came to know the Lord. Uh, what brought you guys to Colorado? I was um, reading Genesis twelve one. God called Abra- Abraham to go into a, a foreign land that he didn't know about, and God put in my heart, you you need to go to Colorado. I had never been to Colorado. 
And um, when Jacob got home, at that time, Jacob wasn't saved. Um, Jacob is Jewish. Mm. And I told him, God told me that we had to go to Colorado. And his response was, let's see if this God of yours is true. Hmm. And that scared me because he was putting God on the test. But I'm glad we obeyed. We came here um, almost right away. We, we arrived December 24th. We left the Christmas presents back home under the tree. And we just fled out of Puerto Rico and came here. And I remember that Christmas Day we spent in the zoo, Denver Zoo, because that's the only thing open. And then I went back home. Jacob stayed here. And three months later, he got saved. So that's why we needed to come here. Oh, wow. I have a question for both of you. Uh, When did you guys, how did you guys meet? Uh, We met on a blind date. And at that time, um, some friends of ours um, asked us out, and we, we went out, and the rest is history. I all in love with this beautiful woman. <laughs> what year was that when you guys met? And That was married? 1987. Oh, okay. Yeah. So when did you move? What year did you move to Colorado? 1998. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, so I have a question for Jacob. So what were you thinking other than, well, let's see what, your God's all about. I mean, what were your thought process, you know, when your wife tells you, I think we should move to Colorado? Well, I really didn't know what to think. Um, it was, um, things were bad in Puerto Rico. Um, there was just a, a, not a good environment to raise our children. And um, so, you know, I, I although I didn't, um, I hadn't accepted the Lord, um, I had seen the work that he had done and my wife, and um, of course, I'm, I'm, I'm part of that, you know. Um, and so that's why we just decided to leave. It was just a better place to raise our children and uh, raise a family. So we, we, I decided to, to go ahead and, and accept it, you know, and, and come on over here. We came over here with nothing. We didn't have anything. And, um, you know, we, as soon as we got here, we had some friends up in uh Cold Creek Canyon that are missionaries in uh, Thailand right now and um, and he took me out and th- I think the first day he took me out I got a job doing wow. what I was doing in Puerto Rico so it, wow. it just all fell into place um, I, I have a feeling that people are going to wonder wonder about you guys leaving the, cr- the presence under the tree is there more to that story that you guys want to share about leaving on Christmas Eve to a new country or, you know, to the United States? I I just knew that for some reason this required immediate obedience. It was like an urgency. And that's why we booked the tickets right away and we came because I knew that if I did not obey immediately, I was going to start trying to make sense out of it and I then maybe wouldn't have come. So that was, and I'm glad we came. And also the Lord was shutting doors in Puerto Rico. So when she was talking about this, um, the business that we had, um, the government had to take over the property to expand the road. So we would have had to basically start all over again. And it was just, you know, he just, it was just something that, yeah, I believe was ordained by God because it all fell into place exactly as it had to 
That's cool. Not everybody listens to the Lord right away. It, it took me about a year and a half to listen to him. And I, yeah, yeah, it's I a st- lot easier if you do it right away, I think. <laughs> yeah, I still, I'll give you later an example when you ask me about the boat ministry. I didn't, I didn't obey right away with that one. I have another question for you guys. How did the Lord lead you into ministry? Well, um, he had put it in our hearts that we were going to have some type of uh, boat ministry. And it was kind of strange to us because we, we kind of figured, what are we going to do on a boat? But um, first, at first, we were like, okay, well, maybe we could broadcast, uh, you know, into different places um, in Latin America because we speak Spanish. And, and um, that's it's kind of, you know, he put that in our heart. And um, one day um, at work, we, we do work for, for Detroit uh, Diesel, and uh, they send a customer over to me because they were missionaries, and they didn't want them paying more than what, um, what it was going to cost. So they came into our business, and um, and I I asked them for um, their mission statement, and um, and they gave it to me, and so we did the radiator for them, and we didn't charge them because they were missionaries as well. So um, kind of to thank us, they invited us out to dinner, and we started. I started telling them what the Lord had put in my heart. Well, unbeknownst to me, um, he had a huge boat and he said well I need you to go to North Carolina with me and I was like well what for he's like don't worry about it you just have to come with me so we we went with him to North Carolina and he took us to this to this boatyard and there was a 42 foot sailboat there and he basically said this is the Lord's boat and we've used it for these many this many years and now it's time for you guys to to use it so um he opened that door up for us. The Lord opened that door for us, and we ended up uh, taking this boat over and starting on this journey to, to serve the Lord on a boat. And we've been to um, to the Dominican Republic. Uh, we were there for about uh, three years, and uh, we were working with uh, child children and child prostitution as, over there. And then from there, we felt the Lord calling us out to go to Central America, to Guatemala, and that's where we're at right now. And we just basically distribute Bibles and and give Bible studies to the kids in school and orphanages, and uh, that's where we are to this day. So you would say that the main thrust of your ministry was is Bibles and material distribution, or do you spend a lot of time with the kids? Well, we spend a lot of time with the kids as well. We we try to help out in orphanages um, and in schools. We've we found that um, it's against the law to um, to preach the Bible in schools in public schools, but um, they invited us to go to the public schools to do it. So the teachers were telling us that the the kids were lacking um, the little bit of a moral compass, and they wanted um, they wanted somebody to come and teach them the word and so out of that that was born and we were going to the schools and uh, of course we we got to give them bibles so they can go home and continue to read the word because just one time is not enough and um, so we've you know we do distribute bibles um, a lot of bibles but we also uh, give them bible studies when we can and we fellowship with them and and jake's a big part of that too he goes to schools and um, he plays soccer with the kids and he you know, he spends time with them. So, um, you know, it's a real blessing to have Jake, too, because he can 
hang out with the kids. You know, he's not that little anymore, but when we started this, he was he was a little kid. Now he's going to be 18. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to hear what Jake has to say about um, his role in di- working with the kids and stuff like that. Has what is a large show to you through all of this? I'm you're you're a young man. It sounds like you've been doing this for a while, but uh, um, how have you grown, and how have you seen others uh, grow in the Lord through this ministry? Um, it's been like more of a I'm more humble now because you see different perspectives. Like once you go, like usually before I really didn't want to do it because you have all your friends here and you have things when you're comfortable and. I was comfortable in Colorado and everything, but then we started doing it back and forth and back and forth. And you see all these people that have, they have less than you have and like little things to you back home is something big to them. And it's just crazy to see how little things to them is a blessing and to us is back home. It's nothing to us. And it just, it's helped me grow with God to get closer, more humble and things like that. And I can look at things like in a more like, I don't know, like humble perspective, I guess. That's cool. Yeah, that's great. <clears throat> I just want to ask about the boat a little bit. Uh, how does that work? You just leave it, um, do you just leave it parked at the particular country where you're ministering this year? Or do you move, can you, I guess you just sail it from one country to the next if you're moving? We just leave it there. That's the home base. When God calls us to a different country, Jacob does the passage and I fly in. Um, my two cents. Okay. Um, w- another thing I forgot to to talk about about when I got saved is that my childhood was very rough and hard, and I think the enemy did that to bring destruction. But the very thing that the enemy used to try to destroy me is the very thing that God used to save me. Because I had that need of a kind father, a loving father, a patient father, because I didn't have that kind of father, that's why I got saved. And you see that pattern all over scripture. You see it in the Old Testament with the life of um, Joseph, that what the enemy meant to destroy him, he put him in jail. He, as a young boy, got separated from his family. He put him, he sold him as a slave, but that's, God used that very same circumstances to save many in a famine. And then you have with the life of Jesus, I'm sure that when he was hanging on that cross, the enemy thought, I'm going to destroy him now for sure. But it's that very same thing that the enemy tried to use to destroy that God turned around and used to save many people. So there's that pattern. And then the other thing, my two cents is for those that are listening, I used to don't compare your ministry to to others. Um, There are every ministry is very different, just like you have um, diversity in the gifts. You have diversity in the body. You also have diversity in ministry. And early on, I struggled with okay, what comparing myself to other ministries and what God showed me was that there is not a one size fits all for ministry. It is very unique. And even when you've been doing ministry for several years, 
and you have a formula and it works, God will come and he will shake it around because he doesn't want you to trust on a formula. He wants his voice and will to be supreme in my life. And then the other scent, lastly, is when I, before I got called to this, when I used to hear the stories of other missionaries, I would, the enemy would start condemning me. Well, why aren't you out there eating bugs in the middle of the jungle and stuff like that? And the reason I wasn't is because he didn't call me to. So not everybody is called to the mission field, but we're all called to the mission. So if God hasn't called you out, then go in. Go in to your neighbor's lives. Go into your grandkids' hearts. Go into the nursing homes where you live and bring Jesus. Um, the other thing is... He's going to the third cent now. Yeah, my third cent, sorry. <laughs> that if God does call you, do not lean on to your understanding like I did. Do not give God the thousand and one reasons why you should not. He, he picked the wrong person. That's what I did when God first called us to the boat ministry because it did not make sense. We are not sailors. We're not missionary materials, material. Um, I have severe seasickness. And I'm thinking, why? And then we, we didn't have the finances either. We're self-supported. So I argued a lot with God. And then when I got tired of ar arguing, we just named the boat Vamonos, which means let's go. And we went. So if God calls you, don't argue, just go. And I can tell you that he has been faithful every step of the way. And it's important as well, if I could mention that a lot of people, um, when we started this ministry, were like, a boat ministry? I mean, what are you going to do on a boat? But um, you have to understand, this is not a boat that goes out sailing for fun. Like my wife said, we're not sailors. We usually take a captain to help us deliver the boat. And this is just a place... Now, this is a, a like a it's like a motorhome. We can park it and we can come back home when we're done and then return back and and we'll have a place to stay. It's just cost efficient. It's not that it's um something that we go and my, like I said, my wife gets seasick. She does not go sailing. She does not do the passages. I do them with a the crew. And when we get there, we park the boat. So currently this boat's been parked for about four or five years now, and it hasn't moved. It's been on the dock, and it doesn't move. It's just a place for us to stay when we go there. And when the Lord calls us to go somewhere else, it'll be a, it'll, it's a movable home. So that's, um, that's the boat ministry. It's not that we're sailing around and, and taking people on rides and stuff. It's just a, a way for us to have a place to stay and go to different places without having to um, buy a place in every place we go or rent a place. We, we already have a place. I think that's really great. It's really great to even hear the concept of it. And you're so right that the Lord will. <laughs> he's so unique. He knows we're all individuals, and he's so unique in the way he calls us and what he asks us to do. And I really liked what you were saying, Martha, about... Uh, that it isn't a formula. A ministry is never a formula because Mike always made the point that whatever God was really using the year before, he might prune off the next year because he prunes off the things that were good. Uh, 
to just keep us dependent and looking to him on just what we're doing in ministry. So that's very good. And I liked what you said too about arguing with him because I imagine every person who's ever been called by the Lord has argued. Yeah. <laughs> Moses, you know, no, no, not me. I can't do that. Yes. So. Yeah, I can relate to that. I, The Lord called me to ministry probably for two years and I kept saying no because it didn't make any sense to me. Like, why would he want to pick me, someone who can barely read? I don't read the Bible. Why would he want me to go into ministry? But he kept at it, kept at it, and I'm here now doing ministry. So all works out. And, yeah, I just show up in weakness because I don't have anything else but God. So it's I can definitely relate to what you were saying there. You know, I met Mike Wells just one time. And it was because my friend Sue Rosenstein took me. He was talking somewhere in the mountains in Colorado. And I remember that after his talk, what I came out of there with was that I realized most of my Christian life, I had been living it in my own power, my own effort, and my own works. And it was exhausting And God gave me this picture of how I was basically brown bagging my own lunch of self-works and effort. And God had this free all-you-can-eat buffet. After I left um, that retreat or that whatever it was up in the mountains, I threw away my brown bag of self effort and I just became attached to Jesus and I can tell you that my walk has never been the same since that amen that's awesome yeah I love what you said about uh discovering uh Jesus or or God as your father that's something that's really dear to my heart too um because I my childhood was very stressful and you know my I had a violent dad and and all that stuff, and I really wanted that perfect father. And when I learned that he was the perfect father, I just really, the more I learn about that, the more I fall in love with him. Um, and I also find it interesting that Jesus referred to his to referred to his dad as father throughout the New Testament. And only one time he didn't was when he was on the cross, and he said, "My God, My God, why have you forsaken me?" But I think that's cool that he. On the cross, he took our place so that we don't have to call him God anymore. We can call him Father. We have the opportunity to, to be uh, part of that family, that, that special family, that, and with the, like the relationship that he has with them. So, Yeah, that, I never thought that. of that before. That is really nice, yes. Does anyone else have anything they want to share? We'll be going to Guatemala next month. So pray for us. <laughs> yes, we'll definitely be doing that. Uh, the whole family going or? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The three musketeers. Yeah. <laughs> and how long do you typically stay down there when you? This when is going to be a short trip for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's normally we've been there a month to a month and a half is what we tend to stay there. But this is going to be, we're not going to be that long this trip. I think we're going to be like three weeks or something like that. Yeah, we, we're, 
we have to come back and work. Fortunately, um, we are we are, are self supported, so that's that's another huge gauge on what the Lord's doing because we've never had to go out and raise funds, and He's always provided for us. But you know, we do have to come back and and run the business and and work and to be able to do this. So we we're, we're lucky. We we were able to go about two times a year for about a month a time at a time. And it's a real blessing that we can do that. If someone did want to support you guys, is there a way to do that? Or Well, I would say um, if they wanted to support us, I mean, we don't, um, we don't really take any money in as, uh, for support, but um, you can definitely, we can definitely tell you of places that do need things, like the orphanages and, the, um, you know, schools. And if there is, um, if, if there's, uh, demand for Bibles, you you know, somebody can, can donate. You know, we do have a very good um, friend of ours that distributes the Bibles in Central America, and she gives it to us at cost. So that's a way of, of, of giving, too, is buying these Bibles, and we can distribute them. Um, but, yeah, that would be Yeah, something. we are always in the need for Bibles. Um, when we were going to go to Guatemala, he was already in the passage, and... I was at an Abiding Life Woman's Retreat, and I happened to meet there Dori. Dori is the one who supplies me with the Bibles in Guatemala, and God knew that that's what we were going to be doing. When Jacob took off in that passage, I was at the retreat, and we didn't know what we were be doing in Guatemala, but God knew. And through Dori, that's how we buy the Bibles. Um, to us in America, we think of owning a Bible. Most of us have like five Bibles laying around. So we don't know the urgency. of. And even if, when we have like five Bibles laying around, a lot of time people have Bibles in their homes. They don't read them. So it, Guatemala is different. The people we work with are mostly indigenous. So they make, most of them fish for their food. If they don't fish, they don't eat. Mm. And they live very much the same way um, when Columbus showed up there. They live in, in huts, dirt floors, no electricity, no water. Their children are sent to school in canoes. But... They, the parents, don't know how to read and write, and they live with grandma, grandpa, and they all live together in a hut. They don't own any books. So when you give them a Bible, it doesn't sit in the shelf somewhere. The grandparent will tell the child, read me from the book. That's what they call it. Mm. And they sit and they read the book. So, yes, Bibles, we are always looking for people to buy Bibles. That's where the money goes for the most part. Yes, sometimes we help with the orphanages and whatnot, but most of our work in Guatemala has been Bible distribution. Um, and we've gotten known well enough that they see us in the gas station or in the store and they'll tell us, hey, we need, you know, 50 Bibles. Um, we need, you know, such such for, for the kids' um, Bible study. And so they know us well enough to, to come and ask us for them. So they know where to come and get them. The goal is that we want anybody and everybody in that village, in that town, who wants a Bible to be able to have a Bible. It's a 35-mile stretch of river coming from the Atlantic all the way up to, to the Isabal, which is the, main, the first road 
from the from the ocean and we we travel up and down this river and this is where we we give a lot of the bibles out is in these villages that run along this river well i do know dory luce also in guatemala so if anyone does want to help with the cost of bibles i can easily get that money to her yeah and i was just going to ask if someone did want to help with buying Bibles or anything, is there a way to get a hold of you guys? you have a Facebook or email that um, if any of the listeners do want to help out with? My email is Jacob Budo, J-A-C-O-B-B-U-D-O-W, at live.com. Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. for having us. Yeah, thanks so much. Thanks so much to having, a, you, know, having you guys come out here, and uh, that was a great time. So that wraps up that podcast. Thank you so much to Mike Yankee, the Bedeau family. And I just want to give a shout out to Marco from Guatemala. And uh, we got to meet him a couple days ago, and uh, he told us he listens to the podcast. So I just want to give a shout out to him. Thank you so much for listening. Now you can find our podcast on our new web app. And the best way to find that is on the website, abidinglife.com. And it'll be on the main page, and it'll say A-L-M-I app. Click on that, and it has a daily devotional. It has the unique self-test you can take. It has the radio and our podcast. So enjoy that, and I'll talk to you later.